Well, I'm just so appreciative of the worship team, aren't you? And the elders, thankful for them praying. And uh, just glad for Kerwinsville Alliance. Uh, we are appreciative of that. We have a lot to be thankful for during this time. I'm Steve. I'm the pastor at Kerwinsville Alliance. I'm going to talk to you about compassion today. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. If you have the Bible app, there is a Bible app event, and you can click on the menu, look for an event in Kerwinsville, find the one that says Kerwinsville Alliance, 725 Susquehanna Avenue, and follow along there if you would like to. Luke chapter 10 is where we'll be. We're going to be talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you this question over and over again today. How compassionate are you, really? My family have been the recipients of great compassion in the past couple of weeks. My daughter and her husband uh, came home, and we were therefore under a two-week mandated quarantine. When they came in from overseas, they were required to be quarantined for two weeks. They were quarantined at our home, which meant Laurel and I are quarantined for two weeks with them. That's not all bad, being with your grandchildren for two weeks at a time. But uh, we figured it'd be kind of easy, in fact. I mean, Laurel said, I'm going to have to get two weeks groceries. I can do that in my sleep. And so she did that. But there were a couple of things we weren't expecting. First, it's kind of different to feed six people than it is to feed two people. And second, there's this whole question of diet restrictions, of which Laurel and I have none, but uh, our family does. So we had to kind of rethink that. And we found ourselves needing food and not being able to go get it. And that's where the compassion of the good people of Kermansville Alliance came in. They brought us food, they took our calls and ran and got us stuff, even when they were very busy. And their compassion, Kermansville Alliance, you are precious to me. Your compassion was wonderful during that two-week quarantine. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You see compassion in a lot of different ways. That's one of them. You see compassion in the hospice worker who, although their profession would allow them to choose to work almost anywhere, they have chosen to work with people who are near the end of life, and that's compassion. You see compassion in the school teacher who works with the, the student that has fallen behind. And it can even be that student's very own fault. And there the teacher comes along and says, let me help you catch up. Here's what we can do. And that's compassion. You see it whenever someone prays for another. We have an email prayer line in our church. I sent out a prayer request on it, and I received replies saying, I'm praying for this request. That's compassion. How compassionate are you, really? The Good Samaritan is this parable that is a story told by Jesus of compassion. I just want to read to you eight verses from it, from Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 30. So follow along if you would as I read this. Jesus is in discussion with an expert in the law. And in verse 30, the text reads, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he went out, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. How compassionate are you, really? In the early 70s, it was 1973, there were a couple behavioral scientists, their names were Darley and Batson, who did an experiment using the, some students from Princeton University. 
These were students who were studying probably for ministry. They were studying Bible, theology. Many of them were going to become pastors. They were very familiar with the story we just read, that is, the story of the, of the Good Samaritan. The scientists looked at these students studying for ministry, and they wanted to know how compassionate are they, really. And so they solicited some volunteers. And the volunteers showed up, and upon their arrival, they were given some paperwork, and then they were instructed to walk to another building where they would give a brief talk on the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's the parable we just read. Now, some of them are told, you have plenty of time. Take your time getting there. Uh, The next part of them, the second third of them, were told, you know, you need to go right now because you have just enough time to get there. And then that last third of the group, they were told that they needed to hurry because they were running late. What the students didn't know is that along the way, researchers had planted a stranger who, when they arrived, would fall down, hurt themselves because they were sick. And this stranger would be planted in a narrow alleyway so that the students would have to come near him, but they would be able to sidestep him and go by if they needed to or if they chose to. Don't you wonder what those students did? Well, I happen to have that information right here. 63% of those who were early stopped to help the stranger. 63% of those who were early stopped to help the stranger. 45% of the ones who were right on time, they stopped to help the stranger. That's just less than half of those who were right on time said, I'm going to go ahead and be a little bit late. I'm going to help this guy out. Only 10% of those who were told they were running late stopped to help the stranger. One in 10. Nine out of 10 of them sidestepped the stranger. I want you to think about that a moment. Think about what we have there. We have this group of religious people, people who are studying for ministry, and they are literally stepping over someone who is in need in order to go give a speech about the Good Samaritan. Do you see the irony there? Wow, don't you just want to ask them, how compassionate are you, really? I want to ask them that question. Isn't there a part of you that wants to say, I would never, I would never have done that? Well, I want to ask you then. How compassionate are you, really? That's one of the pain, I'm sorry, that's one of the questions that pain asks us. We've talked about these questions. What are you made of, really? How in tune with God are you, really? What's important, really? And what role does God play in your life, really? The question today is this. How compassionate are you, really? Now, we all know what compassion means. There are examples of it in the Bible. We just read one from a parable. Jesus tells another parable. It's a story of the prodigal son. It's a story of a, of a, a son, a young adult or teen, who says to his father, give me my inheritance. I want to take off and I, I want to leave. And the father does this. And then he goes out and he wastes that money on wine, women, and song. And now he's working, he's feeding pigs. The Bible says that when he comes to his senses, that the father of the prodigal son has compassion on this wayward son. It says, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to the son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. That's compassion for the person who is living their life the wrong way. It's a beautiful story. There's other illustrations, examples of compassion in the Bible. One of them is Jesus and the compassion he has toward the cross, toward the crowd. Yeah. One of them is Jesus and the compassion he has toward the crowds. And he has that in a number of ways. One way is Jesus is on a boat and um, 
when he lands, the scripture says, well, when he landed, he saw a great large crowd and he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So there Jesus is having compassion on clueless people, people that don't understand how to live their life well and how to honor God and find meaning in life. And Jesus' compassion moves him to teach them good things, many things. That's compassion. And Jesus has compassion on a crowd a couple other times, and that's when he feeds them. You may remember the feeding of the 5,000. You remember the feeding of the 4,000. In Matthew 15, 32, it says, when Jesus called, his, Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I have compassion for these people for they've been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse along the way. He feeds them compassion. It's feeding the hungry. And, and many, many times Jesus shows compassion by healing people, even raising the dead at one time. You can see it very clearly when he heals two blind men in Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, the text reads, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Compassion. It is inseparable from God's character. In fact, I was talking to a friend recently. We were talking about this thing about compassion, and he said to me that he just read that of all the emotions that the scripture points out that Jesus felt, that the one that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John speak of the most is this feeling, this emotion of compassion. It's easy to understand compassion when you look at the life of Jesus. It's, it's helpful to understand compassion when you look at the actual word, compassion. It, it comes from two words in English, uh, and they have a Latin root, com, which is with, and passion, which is suffering. So actually, what it kind of means is to suffer with. To suffer with. It also means to be deeply moved inside of you deeply moved. And you can see that in Jesus. I mean, Jesus left heaven to come to earth because of his compassion for us who needed someone to die in our place. It was compassion that made God become a man in Christ Jesus. And he over and over again is using, fleshing out that compassion, whether he's healing people or teaching people or feeding people or going to the cross in his passion to die. He's demonstrating compassion. By the way, that word passion means suffering. When we say the passion week of Christ or the passion of the Christ, it means literally the suffering of the Christ. We think of passion as a romantic kind of thing. And that's because we've kind of exaggerated it. Like, I will die without her. I'm suffering so much without her. That passion, that suffering, in its root, in its essence, it means to suffer. So true compassion means to suffer with someone, to be deeply moved with them. It's not just writing a check. Huh. You know, I, I, I am thankful for ministries and organizations that let us sponsor children's in, children in places of poverty. Growing up, my family sponsored a, a little boy in South America somewhere, and he would send us letters and stuff. And sometimes when I was a little boy, I think I wrote a letter or two back to him. I can remember that idea. And my parents, every month, they wrote the check to take care of that little boy. And in the 80s, a group decided, a group that does that decided, here's a great way to get people to do this. Show them how little it costs. And so they had this campaign that said something like this. It said, 70 cents will buy a cup of coffee. 70 cents a day will buy you a cup of coffee a day. Or 70 cents a day will feed this child in Ethiopia. And that's a great idea to get that kind of thing going. They, they, they showed us a way that we could help that wouldn't cost a whole lot. And that, let me be real clear. I do that. Laurel and I did that when we were first married in our first apartment. I can remember the discussion we had talking about that. 
And we, and we did that as a family, as a couple. And we've done that repeatedly. As those children have grown into adulthood, we get another one. We have, we have at least one today. We might have two. I'm not sure. It's a great thing. But hear this sentence. I'm not sure that Laurel and I are being compassionate in the true sense of the word, compassion. Because I am not suffering with those children. I'm just writing a check. You see, I'm not sure that compassion is compassion if it is painless. Jeff Goins, who founded Adventures in Missions, an organization that our denomination has partnered with at different times, he says this, if you want to live more compassionately, pain is inevitable. And then he goes on to say, if you're going to serve someone who's hurting and it doesn't hurt you in the process, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Technically, he's right. If calm passion means suffer with, how compassionate are you really? Here's an irony. You cannot experience compassion without embracing pain. And yet pain interferes with our compassion. I would say more than interferes with our compassion, I would say sometimes pain can suffocate compassion. I think you'll agree. Obviously, pain can lower your tolerance for things. And compassion cannot exist. It cannot thrive, and I don't think it can exist in an atmosphere of intolerance. Have you ever had a migraine headache or a severe headache? Isn't it crazy how intolerant that makes you? You have a migraine headache and your spouse comes in and says, hey, do you know where the keys are? And you're like, oh, what are you bothering me with that for? You can't even tolerate that little sentence. Or someone's playing music in the other room and you're like, oh, you can't even tolerate the music. You have this great pain that makes it hard for you to tolerate even, even the clicking of the keys on the computer across at the next desk is something you find difficult to tolerate because pain can lower your tolerance level. Pain can also lower your awareness or narrow your awareness. Pain kind of puts blinders on you like a horse might have blindness. And lack of awareness actually precludes compassion. You cannot have compassion on that of which you are not aware. And because you're so focused on your own pain, because you're so focused on your own injury, because you're so focused on your own hurting, you're not focusing on anything peripheral to that. And pain narrows your awareness. Pain can even harden your heart. It's hard to feel bad for someone who has had their hours cut by 20% when you know the pain of not having worked at all for the past six weeks. But does that mean you should feel no compassion for them? It's hard to have sympathy for someone who can't take their annual trip to the beach when you yourself have never been able to afford a trip to the beach for your family but does that mean that you ought not sympathize with them? Should you allow your heart to become hard? It's hard to be compassionate to someone when you yourself are in pain. But does that mean it's okay not to be compassionate and to be bitter? How compassionate are you, really? Listen, what I want to do is I want to help you to kind of adjust your mindset concerning how you should behave when pain is in your life. So when that question comes along and says, how compassionate are you really? You'll have, a, you'll have an answer in your soul regarding that. You're going to, I'm going to ask you to adjust your mindset regarding pain and what you allow it to do to you in terms of compassion. 
I want to ask you to reject any tolerance of evil because pain tends to make you more tolerant of evil things happening around you. When I see evil, ever since I was a kid, if I saw something unfair, someone being bullied or something, I am ready to act unless it's inconvenient (laughs) or unless I happen to be tired or unless I myself am dealing with some pain. You see, when evil rears its ugly head, if I happen to be in pain, I tend to tolerate it. I don't know that I want to deal with that. I tend to just let it go. After all, I have this pain and it's demanding my time. I don't want to deal with that stuff. And I think a lot of us are that way. I think a lot of people are that way. That when we see evil, and it's evil that we can do something about, and we're in pain, we say, I'm sorry, man, I'm just too stressed. I'm too busy. Or I'm too pained to do the right thing, to be compassionate. And we kind of give ourselves a pass. Like, hey, you know what? I can do that. I would like to have done that. But you know what? I was in a lot of pain. Now contrast that with Jesus who embodied compassion and had no tolerance for evil whatsoever. When Jesus is being arrested, John says they came after him with torches, with lanterns and weapons. That's like a mob. That is a mob coming to get him. And in response to that, Luke says of Jesus' followers that one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Now, other Bible passages tell us that servant's name was Malchus, and the guy swinging the sword was Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. Now, you might say, hey, Malchus had it coming. He shouldn't have been there. Let him bleed. And you would be wrong. Because even if he had it coming, Jesus treated him with compassion. Jesus actually rebukes Peter for having done something evil, interfering with the work of God. He says, should I not drink this cup that has come to me? And in the very next verse in Luke 22, in the latter part of verse 51, you find Jesus saying, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. That's compassion. It is intolerance for evil, even when you're in the midst of great pain. And Jesus, although he was not on the cross at this time, is in the midst of great pain. Moments earlier, he had been sweating, as it were, drops of blood. And now Judas comes along and betrays him, kisses him. And he says, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss, Judas? And the mob is there. I I don't know if this Malchus was a co-conspirator of those who wanted to kill Jesus or not, but it didn't matter. That which Peter was going to do and which Peter did do was evil, And Jesus, in the midst of his pain, didn't give himself a pass. He didn't tolerate it. He saw that it was evil, and he acted with compassion. Hmm. If you want to answer Payne's question, how compassionate are you really? Then you're going to have to, even in the midst of your pain, not give yourself a pass. You're going to have to renounce any tolerance of evil that you may have in your heart. Adjust your mindset regarding pain. Reject any tolerance of evil you may be allowing yourself. And second, remember those who are in need. You know, when I'm in pain, the only person I want to think of is myself. I'm I'm like the horse with blinders on my eyes. I just see just my pain, my struggle, my needs. And I don't see the needs of those peripheral, those around me. Not so with Jesus. Jesus saw the needs. I mean, by the time you get to John chapter 19, Jesus is already on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. He has already been beaten severely. He has pain 
that on the pain chart in a hospital room, you know the little pain chart they have with a frowny face at the bottom and a smile at the top or whatever? Jesus makes that pain chart look ridiculous because his pain level is so high. And as he is hanging there, bearing the sins of humankind, he looks down upon humankind. He looks down upon the people. And he sees someone there. John 19, 26 says, When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple he said, Here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Who does this? Who, while suffering physical pain of crucifixion and carrying the weight of the world, would ever take time to make sure someone was going to look after his mom? (laughs) I can tell you who. Someone whose eye is not exclusively on his own pain, but who is remembering those who are in need. If you want to be able to answer Payne's question, how compassionate are you, really? Then you will need to, in the midst of your pain, whatever it is, look around and see the pain of others and see how you can minister to those in need. Adjust your mindset regarding pain. You do this when you recall your purpose in life. What is your purpose in life? What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That purpose doesn't end when pain arrives. It is an eternal purpose. It is a purpose for you to live out under all circumstances. Jesus defines his mission in Luke 19.10 when he says, the Son of Man came to seek what was lost. And you find him doing that, recalling his purpose in life, not that he ever forgot it, but living out his purpose in life, even on the cross with a couple criminals who are squabbling with one another and one of them is just there to attack him verbally. Luke 23, starting at verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you're under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus didn't say, what kind of question is that? What are you asking that question at this time? Can you not see what I'm going through here? What's wrong with you? No. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. How does Jesus do that? Because he never forgot why he was here to seek and save the lost. He did it in the midst of his greatest pain. And that's compassion. Listen, if you're going to have an answer to Payne's question, how compassionate are you really? Then you are going to have to recall and never forget your purpose in life to glorify God and enjoy him forever, even when you find yourself in great pain. And then you'll have an answer that will satisfy you regarding pain, regarding compassion. When you do this, when you address this mindset regarding your pain, something magical happens. Okay, it's not magical, but it's something supernatural that happens. 
when you have compassion toward others, in the midst of your own great pain, it actually begins to relieve your pain. It takes your focus off of your loss and off of your suffering. It frees you from things like bitterness and it activates you as it heals you toward goodness. It transforms you. The Spirit of God changes you in a supernatural way. I want to pray that you would be able to do that. That I would be able to do that. That we would be able to do that. That whenever we find ourselves in pain, that we would reject any idea of tolerance that we may have toward evil that's happening around us. That we would out and out renounce those thoughts that say, man, I'm just in too much pain to do anything about that. And second, that we would remember people who are in need. That our eyes would not only be on our own self and our own pain, but that we would be able to see the pain of others around us and address that. And that we would recall our purpose in life. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And believe it or not, that is possible in the midst of your pain when you set your mind and your heart to do it through Christ Jesus. I want to pray that we would be able to answer the question, how compassionate are you really? In a way that lays the question to rest. Would you unite your heart in prayer with me? Father in heaven, we are thankful that pain never has the last word, that pain does not define us, that pain does not dictate how we would behave, but because of the power of Jesus Christ in our life, we can make choices to reject tolerance for wrongdoing, to remember people who are in need, to recall our purpose in life, to glorify you. I pray that that thought would be on our mind so that when a question arises, how compassionate are we really? Our answer would be, We are following after Christ Jesus, who is the embodiment of all compassion. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You stood before.